raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. One more hour to go on Wesson Walker at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It makes me happy when people walk behind the glass and then they nod their head to the music. That's what Colin was just doing. Fiddy hmm. was getting That's groovy funky. over there behind the computer screens. You like this beat? This is one of your favorite ones you played so far? Oh, yeah. yeah. You missed me earlier. I was doing like the robot over here. Uh, I'd hmm. love to see it again. You can still do it if you want to. No, you're not worthy of my greatness. I'm going to videotape it so we can just put it out there on Twitter land. <laughs> And then maybe I'll do the Jalen Waddle thing. What do you got? Did you did you get another quote? Did Colin come in to give you a quote, or is it something hey, super devious? You, you you focus on hosting the show, and I'll focus I'm sorry, on running the show. You're on the air to something that's not even related to the show content. <laughs> I'm going to ask about it. You you have your mic on, laughing into it about a different thing you're doing right Someone now. Someone needs to hear some joy, and some positivity, because you've been moody all day. Fitty, you and Wes. We're going at each other's throats, and you wouldn't even let the man talk when it came to Joe Burrow conversation. And I was let see, yeah, say something. Oh, you can't. That's right, because Mason Plumley's calling in, and he's going to be a dynamic producer that answers <laughs> the, the, the grunts. I do. I want to start saving some of your grunts as sound bites because there's some that hit more than others, and especially the ones that you go with on Fire Fizzle. Those, I mean, shout out to the great star, man. A lot of people labeled him the Black Howard Stern, great hip-hop shock producer. I watch his YouTube show faithfully, so I did steal it from him. So I had to give him his roses and pay homage. I was about to just give you all the credit. I appreciate that, but, I, you know, I'm not that kind of guy. All right, well, I'm about to give a lot of credit to Mason Plumley the way he's been playing. He joins us now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, dialing in to Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Mason, I was talking with Wes. Here on Wesson Walker about the first question we were going to ask you to lead this interview off. Really, it's just how. Like, Mason, the last month has been absolutely ridiculous. You're shooting close to 80% for the entire month. You're averaging 17 and 11. How are you being able to do this at this point in your career, 32 years of age, having what is, you know, maybe one of your best careers that you've had in the NBA or best seasons in the NBA? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, a lot of times it's just the situation and circumstance, but also, um, you know, I felt like I came into this season healthy. I came in prepared for it, and, um, you know, I've really benefited from, you know, the direction that the staff has taken the team and, and also, you know, our, our younger players developing too. So a lot of that that shooting percentage comes off of really good looks from the guards that I play with, and, um, you know, it's, it's been a fun a fun run. Well, is there a message that the coaching staff had for you at the beginning of this year that allowed you to have this type of season? Like you mentioned the coaching staff, the direction. What's something that comes to the top of your mind as to say, okay, that that's why I'm being able to, to perform the way I am recently and beyond? Um, you know, really... It, it wouldn't make sense to the numbers you spoke to, but they really just put my focus on, on screening and, and rebounding and defending, which is, you know, it's kind of what they tell everybody um, at, at our position anymore. But, um, you know, I, I just focus on doing that at a higher level. And, um, you know, it, it just benefited the, the overall game. Now, I don't know if Mace remembers this. Mace, this is Wes Bryant here. Now, for one, I, I did Hornets last year. So I used to holler at him at the beginning of games when he was warming up. Uh, pre-game, but also I was doing public address at Charlotte Country Day 
when his team came oh, wow. in in high school. Yeah, he remembers <laughs> when his team was doing uh, when his team came through when he was in high school. And I remember seeing him play, and he was six eleven, just like he is now, six eleven, seven feet, whatever you want to say. And he could jump out of the gym, and I had never seen anything like it. And I said, man, I said, why is this guy averaging 40 and 25 and just dunking on everybody <laughs> all day long, man? But, no, I'm proud of the way that, that you've been playing. And did you feel like, just with all the injuries that you guys have had, did you feel like an extra to put the extra onus on yourself to say, hey, I got to start putting the ball in the basket as well because we have so many guys out night in and night out? Absolutely. I, I think that's a, a, a big component of it. It's, it's like uh, you look around and, and there's so much scoring that's been injured or, or missed games. You know, you're just always trying to think ways that you can help out. And, you know, if you look at our, our roster last year, we, we just had a lot more scoring and, and we had a lot more guys healthy. So um, that, I think that has a lot to do with uh, the, the, the higher numbers in, this, in scoring. And how much easier is it for you to be able to get those buckets with a team that does shoot the basketball at a high volume and have so many guys that require attention that it allows you to just be able to operate and just clean up the messes, so to speak? Yeah, definitely a lot of the scoring has been offensive rebounding. And then, um, you know, our our pick-and-roll game, I think, has gotten a lot better. Um, I know that was a big point of emphasis for our staff coming into the season. They wanted to see that go to another level, and and I think it has, um, especially with with Melo and Terry. It's Mason Plumley joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You know, Mason, this time of year is tough for some veterans in the NBA, players all over the place, right? When you have the NBA trade deadline coming up at February 9th. I know your name has been mentioned as just a potential piece because you have been playing so well. There might be some suitors out there for you. How much does that affect your playing style, your mentality as you go through life in the NBA? What do you make of some trade rumors that might be out there about you? You know, it doesn't change anything in the way I play or approach the game. It, you know, at 10 years in, you, you hear it every trade deadline. Um, you know, you feel like you're either overvalued or undervalued or, you know, you're being paid too much or too little relative to your output. And depending on that, they're going to say, oh, you know, trade this guy and get something for him or, or trade him and get off his contract. So it, it doesn't, you know, I've kind of heard, you know, most of what's out there at this point and I'm just enjoying playing and enjoying the moment and I I really do love this team so you know I I hope to to see it through but um, we'll see. Well, and, and the Charlotte Hornets did trade for you. You know, it was right before the draft. Yeah. They decided to acquire you via trade. And, Mason, I'm wondering what was your opinion about Charlotte coming in to this franchise and, and how might it have changed since you've played here for going on two years now? You know, I, I wasn't super familiar with the Hornets. My brother had a short stint with them. But, um, you know, I, I hadn't had, you know, Gerald Henderson is probably my, my closest friend and teammate that had played for him. Um, but that was quite a while back, so I didn't know what to think coming in. But I, I will say um, I've, I've really enjoyed the year and a half that I've been here. And um, it's been, uh, you know, to me, the, the front office has been super supportive and, and player-friendly. You know, guys like Mitch and Buzz. And then, um, not obviously, you know, two coaches in the years that I've been here. But there seems to be a real, um, you know, a real uh, alignment between ownership front office and head coach and i think that's that's easy to to say that you have it but to actually feel it from a player perspective is is something that's um really cool and that's been the case since i've been here it makes one thing i think that is very that's great about you is just the fact that 
even if you are 10 years into your NBA career, you still go back to the lab. You're still taking inventory because you talk about the left-handed free throws. And uh, last night you took the left-handed jump shot. Like, just talk about your dedication to your craft just to keep going back and keep taking that inventory and, and seeing how can I get better and how can I be more beneficial to my team. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's that's the fun in it. Um, you know, if, if I was ever bored going into the gym in the off season, I, I'd probably call it a day. Um, it, you know, that's where, you know, even since, you know, playing as kids, you love going into the summer and saying, well, I'm going to come back with this or that, or I'm just going to be a little bit better in, in these in these parts of my game. So it, it's always been fun for me. Obviously, like switching hands is, it feels like more of a major move, but... Now, that crossover jump shot you hit last night, was that a move that you had in the tuck where you were like, I can't wait to unleash that? And do you feel like that might be the greatest play of your career? No, goodness gracious. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I just checked the shot clock, and once I saw five, I was like, I'm not passing it. <laughs> so, um, but, no, it, it felt good. It was, uh, I've had a lot of fun moments, but that was definitely one of uh, one of them. Well, I mean, Mason, you got crunk afterwards. You dribbled it between your legs both times, and then you looked at the bench, and Lamella was laughing. Terry is laughing. Yeah. We've seen quite the bench reaction to you shooting left-handed free throws, left-handed jumpers, and that one, you got real crunk after it. What have you made of some of the reactions other players in the NBA and your own teammates have given you after left-handed jump shots? You know, it's funny. Like, my, my teammates have seen us since the summer, so when they react to it, you know, it kind of surprises me. But the other teams, there there have been some. I saw somebody stitch together bench reactions from opposing teams. <laughs> but my, my whole thing is, like, what's, what's lost is that it's going in. Like, right. they aren't, they aren't putting together videos while I'm missing. So it doesn't bother me. Uh, kind of results-oriented at this point in my career. Mm, no, they have been going in. There's no doubt about it. Just a couple more questions before we get you out of here. I did want to ask you about Mark Williams also playing very well ever since he became a part of the rotation. What has that mentorship role like been for you? Is that something that you would call yourself to Mark, a mentor, and how would you evaluate his play? Yeah, I would certainly consider myself that. Um, he's been great. You know, I, I think he was really patient. He didn't even, you know, get a chance the first couple months of the season. And, um, you know, I, I think he was more ready when they did call his name than he would have been, say, had he played coming out of training camp. But um, physically, like, he's, you know, he's a starting center in this league. He's, he's got a soft touch, great hands. Um, and then, like, he's, he's not only going to get better. So you know, I think his, his shot blocking will be elite automatically and then his finishing and rebounding will be up there and then everything from there is just like you know upside and and he can only do, do better so i'm excited for his career all right mason then going back to your roots in durham with the duke blue devils you've been watching them this season young basketball team john shire in his first season what's been your assessment of them and what do you think they need to do uh, to get over that hump and make the run that you guys are known for yeah, you know, I, I'm really happy for John. Um, I think he's doing a great job um, in his first year. I just think, uh, you know, that they're getting – they have so many young guys playing big minutes and taking a lot of a lot of big shots. I think just the, the natural evolution of the season and being in those key moments again and again, they've been in a handful of close games. But um, that experience is going gonna, is gonna to lend well 
to them going into the tournament in March. All right, Mason, final thing before we get you out of here. I need to ask you this question. So I am one on Twitter when you are going off, when you are having a good game. I am one to send a screenshot out to the world of you holding a cash cannon in your rap music video that you released quite a few years ago. That is something that I yeah. love to do when watching the Hornets play and then you're going off. My, my question is, can you please tell us the story about the cash cannon and all of the $1 bills that are coming out of it? Did you have it and you were just like, we need to make a music video from this? Please tell us the story of the cash cannon. Happy to tell you the story. So I was one of my, the guy who made, the the main guy doing the music on the video that's rapping, he's a good friend of mine, and I was meeting him in Midtown Manhattan for lunch, and he was like, hey, I still got some booth time. You got to come up and just check it out. And it, it's like a recording studio where a lot of, like, legitimate artists record. So I was like, okay, cool, I'll come up and check it out. And then I'm up in the booth, and I had never been in a recording studio before. He's like, you gotta say something. And I'm like, I don't have anything. I was like, I don't have anything to say. And he's like, well, here's a bit of paper. Come up with something. So then, anyway, that that was the song. You know, he makes the song. He's like, we gotta make a video. And and he had that cash cannon with him. So I was like, well, we're making the video. I was like, I, I get to use this. And he's like, all right. You put you do not put that thing down. That is in every single scene of the music video. <laughs> and you look so happy shooting all of the money out. And it is fantastic. Go look it up on YouTube. It's out there. It got a ton of views from what is a very accomplished rap artist joining us today in Mason Plumley on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Mason, thank you so uh, thank you so much for calling in, man. We really appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Mason Plumley, center for the Charlotte Hornets, balling right now. Nine of nine from the field last night against the Chicago Bulls. The last month, he has been playing excellently so. I mentioned some of the efficiency and plus the rap music video. You've seen this, right? I have seen it. It's phenomenal. It's hilarious. And I'm not saying that he is out here being one of the greatest MCs of all time. Right. But he does not put down the cash gun whatsoever. And he's shooting dollar bills, like literal just ones. He's just sitting there holding it the whole time. And it's sometimes like going over it. It's what's funny too, is that he's very careful because they're on like a balcony or a ledge or something like that. And he's very careful to not shoot any of the dollar bills over the building and making sure that they all can collect it as soon as the music video. Right. That must've come right out of his pocket. To make sure that that thriller <laughs> is staying within his grass. Correct. Correct. Um, so that was Mason Plum. We appreciate him. We'll put that on our website, by the way, WFNZ. Dot com. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to welcome Jake Query to the program. He has covered Frank Reich and his tenure with the Indianapolis Colts for quite some time. We're going to welcome him, who uh, did a lot of radio, worked for Jeff Rickard, by the way, up there in Indianapolis, and so knows about Frank Reich plenty in his time with the Indianapolis Colts. Those five years that he was there, all the different quarterbacks. We're going to get the skinny on all of it coming up next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Fitty doing the producer thing, calling our next guest. Jake Query of QueryandSchultz.com, also co-host of Kevin and Query on 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis. And then he just says to distinguish the two of us here, Wes, he says, Walker is the one with the deep voice to try to make up for the lack of masculinity, and then Wes is the cool one. Yeah. That's what he said. I mean, after... 
after all of the things he's pointing at me as to why I'm the problem in the relationship, that's what he says to Jay Query calling it. Right. I mean, he's the classic coach that just keeps trying everything he can to get a rise out of you, so to speak, to see what makes you tick. I know. But I wouldn't take it personally. I know. Yeah, I guess that's true. It just kind of rolls off, man. So we'll yeah. go now to the Body Works Plus guest hotline to welcome Jake Query. I- I'm sorry for the lack of professionalism, Jake. Uh, are you still able to do the <laughs> segment with us? Well, here's the thing. Both you guys have deep voices, and neither one of you sounds cool. So now I'm completely... Oh, yeah. Okay, so now we're catching strays from guests now? <laughs> right. Is that the problem? I'm kidding. Goodness <laughs> gracious. It's Jay Query joining Actually, us you now. you know what? Go ahead. I say that, I say that, but I'll tell you what. Your guys' credit, street cred, not that you needed it, but it went up tenfold because you must have mentioned that I was coming on the air, which I appreciate you having me on. Mm-hmm. And instantly, so, you know, obviously kind of two of the, the auto racing hubs in, in the United States are Charlotte and Indianapolis, you know, stock car and open wheel side. And as soon as you mentioned me, my phone blew up from the guys at Penske Racing at Team Penske down in Charlotte, David Hobus and the boys. And they're like, oh, man, you're going on our favorite station in Charlotte. We're going to listen to you. So I appreciate that. If those guys are listening to you, then I know you got to be the best of the best. So oh. I'm, I'm flattered that you guys are having me on today. That's big shouts that's to Team two, Penske. Yeah, that's two this week. Now it is reciprocated. We are huge fans of Team Penske. We appreciate them for listening to us right now on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Jake, we called you, obviously, to have you on to talk about Frank Reich, the new head coach here in Carolina. You covered him during his time with the Indianapolis Colts. Let's just start with the macro. Do you think it was a good hire for Carolina? I do, and I'll tell you why. I, you know, a lot of it, guys, I'll be honest with you. I've always been a big believer in the fact that coaches are only, you know, you know the old saying, right? Sometimes it's less about X's and O's and more about Jimmy's and Joe's. And, you know, I think what Carolina did, I was really impressed with what they did in the second half of the season once they were in the same situation Indianapolis was in with an interim. I mean, obviously the irony of the fact that the Colts were in the same spot after firing Frank Reich um, but they went in two different directions. I mean, Carolina, I thought, played well. So my point being, I do think the Panthers have a roster that has some pieces to it. Quarterback is a big question mark, obviously, as it was in Indianapolis. And there are two ways to look at it with Frank Reich. You could either say that he didn't turn out to be the quarterback whisperer that was expected when he came from Philadelphia, or you could say that the Colts were delivering him a different quarterback every year. And, you know, that's a difficult thing, right? I mean, it takes quarterbacks, no matter who it is, a long time to settle in. So Reich is the kind of guy, and you guys know the Panthers' locker room better than I do in terms of their personnel and their characters. But, um, you know, Reich is a player's coach for certain. And I think when he was terminated here, there was a lot of thought that he kind of lost the locker room and that they weren't overly disciplined and that guys kind of took advantage of his trust in them and then I think that as time has gone on we've realized that might be just about the players and the people that were accumulated and less about Reich himself so you know fans will like him because he's a very good guy he's very involved in the community I know none of that helps you win football games I realize but for a a spot in Carolina where a quarterback has been a real question mark in trying to find stability at that position has been a challenge in that area, if you were going to go out and get a guy that knows how to get that done, I do think it's Frank Reich. And I think that the resiliency that the roster showed in Carolina once they went to an interim and a lot of people thought their year got away from him and they still contended till the end, really, in their division, 
shows that the character aspect of it is something that I don't think is going to be an issue for him. So I think it could turn out to be a good fit. Well, and Jake, regarding the quarterback decisions, you discussed how the team gave them, gave Frank Reich, five different quarterbacks in five straight seasons on opening day. Now, part of that, though, is apparently Frank Reich wanting Carson Wentz in that trade. You know, working with Philip Rivers before, having that relationship prior, how much of some of the QB decisions were because of Frank Reich and how much of it was, nope, it's coming straight from the higher-ups like Chris Ballard and company? It's a great question. I think that certainly Frank Reich was the guy that went out and sold them on Carson Wentz. And I think that he you know, kind of put his neck out there because Wentz had regressed a little bit in Philadelphia, obviously, but Reich was the guy that was that was with him when he was a rookie. And I think that Frank Reich really does have a connection with Carson Wentz kind of in, in terms of some of their common things away from the game of football. And so he believed in him. I think he kind of put his rep on the line. And what it really came down to was it wasn't even so much about Carson Wentz's level of play as much as Carson Wentz's inability to connect not only with the locker room, but truthfully with the owner. And I, I think that Jim Irsay never trusted Carson Wentz. I think there were some issues not to go down a rabbit hole that's a tough one to get out of with the vaccination stuff at the time when that was big, but that was a real thing to Jim Irsay. And when Carson Wentz opted not to get vaccinated, Jim Irsay's platform essentially was, that's your prerogative and that's your right as an American and as a grown man, but it better not come back to hurt the franchise. And when he tested positive at the most critical juncture of the year, and as a result couldn't practice or be around the team, even though he played, but he didn't play well that did him in. And so how much of that is on Frank Reich? Certainly Wentz's play regressed a little bit, but I don't think you can blame Reich for this year when then they bring in Matt Ryan, who was a shell of himself. And then, you know, seven games into the season or whatever it was, Jim Irsay mandates that they go away from Matt Ryan and go with the younger, more mobile Sam Ellinger, who was not proven in the NFL at all. Those things were beyond Frank Reich's control. Sure. Had he better handled getting Carson Wentz going and maybe gotten him up to a playing level faster, those things wouldn't have manifested. But I, I think it's probably 70-30, 70% being out of Frank Reich's control, 30% things he could have done differently. But if you look at coaches in the NFL, a lot of times, guys, they struggle the first go-round in their first stop. And then I'm not saying he's going to become Bill Belichick, but a lot of times coaches learn – from their first go-round, and they improve on those errors in their second go-round. And this is number two for them. Jake, West Bryant here, and I would like to know, how, how would you classify, because we know Tepper wanted a dynamic offensive play caller here. We've talked about that. And in, and in three of the five seasons he was in Indianapolis, he had uh, top five offenses when you talk about rushing attempts. And then the two years uh, in Philadelphia as well, he was top 10 in rushing attempts. So how would you classify uh, his offenses? And will we see uh, the dynamic side of his play calling? Or is he a guy that's going to be uh, ball control for the most part as well as some of these numbers indicate? You do sound like the cooler guy of the two. By the I appreciate way. that, man. Yeah, it's I appreciate that. I don't know right what it is. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's a great question. You know, it's interesting because he had Jonathan Taylor here, right? So you've right. got one of the most dynamic, game-changing backs. And in order for guys like that to get home runs, you got to give them pitches, right? So, you know, I do think that at times, and in particular this year, the Colts became offensively bland. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, they were 
they were absolutely anemic offensively. But I don't think that was Frank Reich as much as it was their lack of big play talent here. So you don't really have field-stretching receivers in Indianapolis. Michael Pittman's a nice possession-type receiver, but he's not going to be a guy that gets out in space. They didn't really – the Colts never had, to be fair to to Frank Reich, the Colts didn't have in-open-space dynamic playmakers outside of Jonathan Taylor. And the only way to get Jonathan Taylor outside of throwing the ball out of the you know to him out of the backfield is to get him reps and to get him handoffs. And they had a good line that also, I think Quentin Nelson this year was hurt, the dynamic guard for the Colts, the all-pro level guard. Ryan Kelly, their center, certainly took a step back this year. So I think he was handcuffed a little bit by injuries and just overall stagnant personnel around him. They tried to make a change with that with Frank Reich when they when, you know they, they went away from Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator, and Reich took control of that. But by then it was too late because Ursay had come in and mandated. So I think it's going to come down to quite frankly, guys, and this is the you know this is the case in what we do in talk radio. Ninety percent of the people doing shows in markets in the NFL are having the same conversation, and that is who is going to be their quarterback if the if the Panthers can get a quarterback and some playmakers that can be dynamic. Reich will open it up, and he will get creative. But I also think that he knows that he's going to have to stick with his strengths. And if his strengths are to be a little bit more vanilla in terms of getting the ball to the guys that he needs to get it to, that's what he's going to do. He's not afraid to to mix it up a little bit, but I don't know that it's necessarily what he goes to by nature. Now, they also talk about you know his acumen with quarterbacks. We saw what he did with Carson Wentz. We've talked about what he's done with Nick Foles and his work with Andrew Luck. He's more than likely going to have a new quarterback here, or he is, I would say so. So what, from your vantage point, is the number one thing that he will bring to a young quarterback to make him better, and what makes him so highly regarded as a quarterback's coach? It's a fabulous question, and I think the kind of the go-to answer, but at the same time, the most accurate answer is this. You know, Frank Reich is a guy that played quarterback in the NFL, but he, unlike, he was not a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or a Phillip Rivers. You guys know, I mean, he was there in Carolina, obviously in, you know, in the fledgling years of the Panthers. And he was a guy that always played with his back against the wall. So I think that what Reich is able to do to young quarterbacks is it's easy for a Joe Montana or a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady to tell young quarterbacks things. And then have those quarterbacks say, yeah, but I mean, look at the skill set that you have. Like, I've got to overcome that. You know, I've got a bigger gap here. Frank Wright can talk to guys and look at them and legitimately say, I know where you were. I was there. I was not a guy that was headed straight to camp. I was a guy that fought for and earned everything that I got from a playing standpoint. And here's how I did it. So I think that he has a credibility within that aspect of it. But at the same time, he knows what it takes for a quarterback, I believe, to find that inner confidence when they might have a doubt about what their level is. He can say, look, I had that doubt too. And let me show you where, you know, I was down in this game against the, you know, the Houston Oilers when we came all the way back. And in college, I came back in the biggest comeback, you know, in, in college football history. And, and then they fired me in Indianapolis, and then another team came roaring back because I wasn't there. Now, I don't know if he'd say that about the Minnesota game this year, but I just think that he does have an understanding and a relatability to quarterbacks that they can relate to 
and see an inspiration and a belief and a comfort level in him. It's Jake Query joining us, Wes and Walker, on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You know, Jake, you mentioned, of course, how he was let go in the middle part of this season. Do you think that was the right decision by the Colts? Do you think that this was just a better situation for both parties to go their separate ways? Or do you think that Frank Reich should have been held on to because you feel it was up to Chris Ballard and this organization to give him a quarterback with stability instead of just moving on from that position one year after another, finding a way to get them a string of seasons together? You know, I think all coaches, I mean, there have been great coaches in the history of sports. Larry Brown in basketball comes to mind. You know, there there have been great coaches that just have like a five-year window. And it's not a knock on their coaching ability at all. It's just that their style reaches an exhausted, you know, it reaches an expiration date. And I think it was there. I think it was there probably just in terms of the style. I think it was there in terms of just the overall the Colts were at a crossroads where their year was so disappointing this year and things went awry and the roof caved in on them so fast that somebody had to be made the scapegoat. And even if Reich would have been, would have come back, I think there always would have been like whispers or questions about this season that would have been tough to overcome without some sort of a change, be it the general manager or the coach. And if there's going to be a change between one of those two, I think we know more often than not which of those two it's going to be. So I think it could be the kind of situation where it just works out well for all in the end. Look, Frank Reich's not going to come in and immediately be Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia and be this high-energy, high-flying, fun guy. He's a methodical guy. He's an understated and quiet guy. But he's a fair guy. He's an honest guy. And so long as the players are willing to respond to that and have a maturity about them, then I think it'll work out well. So I think a change of scenery was probably best for both parties. And for Frank Reich, I think from the time that he left here, Carolina was a place that he has always felt the most comfortable. His daughter works there now. He's had a home down there. Um, I think he enjoyed playing down there, obviously. So, uh, you know, I'm hopeful because he's a nice guy, that it works out well for him. And, you know, I know that people down there are eager to see the Panthers get back to where they've been in the past, which is a team that competes in the NFC South. So in a division that looks pretty wide open. So, um, it could work out well for him. And then, Jake, I'll ask you, talking about that, and there's no secret amongst this fan base, this has been a, a bit of a controversial hire because so many people wanted Steve Wilkes. What's the one thing about Frank Reich that you would tell this fan base that uh, will help them, that you think that he will do to get them back on board? Well, I'll begin by saying I think the world of what Steve Wilkes did this year, I don't know him at all. Uh, you know, but from afar, it certainly looked like, and that was peculiar. I will admit the only thing that I could have thought of that would have been the difference between the two was the actual head coaching experience. In terms of Reich, the one thing that I would tell people down there is towards the end here, I think the situation in Indianapolis was, I wouldn't say tumultuous, but unpredictable. I, I think Jim Irsay, who is a fun guy and a kind-hearted person, and for the most part as an owner, one that's good for this community in Indianapolis. But he has become more impulsive and more erratic in the last year and a half or so. And he's, and I think at times it made it probably a difficult situation. Um, in addition to that, I don't know at all times, I don't think that Reich and Ballard by any stretch were adversaries of one another, but I don't know that they were completely on the same page. So if people were looking at what appeared to be an underperformance in Indianapolis, I would say that 
they have to appreciate the fact that Frank Reich might now be in a situation that has more stability, and therefore it would be more fair to judge him on what he can do in Carolina as opposed to what you might perceive he didn't do in Indianapolis. Again, this doesn't win you football games, but people will like him in the community. He will be involved in helping out young people in, in Charlotte. And he's not going to do anything that embarrasses the franchise, the fan base. I mean, he is a very likable personality. But in the end, it all comes down to wins and losses. I get that. But I do think that given some stability around him on a roster standpoint, he has the acumen to be able to do that. That is Jake Query on the Body Works Plus guest hotline joining the cool guy and Walker. You can find him on Query and Schultz.com, co-host of Kevin and Query on 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis, which, by the way, I was born in Indianapolis. My dad lives up there. My whole family does. My dad's favorite sports radio show. I'll tell you that right now, Jake. So uh, up. do with that what well, you want. Now you're the cool guy. Right. Yeah. That's what he wanted. That's that exactly was the whole goal. Yep. Every Dance puppets. <laughs> dance all across the board. Jake, really appreciate the time, man. Great interview. Thanks, Jake. Yes, sir. Jake Query joining us to talk about Frank Reich, the new head coach here in Carolina. What did you make, just real quickly, before we go to the last Fitty Flash, what's the kind of vibe you got from Jake, who covered Frank uh, Reich quite a bit up there in Indianapolis? Well, I think, you know, he said a lot of redeeming things about him and things that could uh, maybe get this fan base, uh, you know, bring them around a little bit as far as just from a tangible standpoint, what he will bring uh, offensively. Uh, he, he sounds like... He painted Reich as a guy who is going to adapt offensively, adapt to his personnel. And so at this point, like I said, we just have to give him a chance because if you're a Panther fan, you have no choice. But I like what he said. Yeah, sounds fair, right? I don't think we've heard anything that was so differing about what our initial opinions were on Frank Reich. It sounds like he can't adapt. It sounds like he had a huge, uh, a huge say in bringing Carson Wentz aboard. Philip Rivers, somebody that he had some relationship prior to Indianapolis, brought him aboard and, you know, got a couple of winning seasons there, had a couple of playoff appearances. And it doesn't seem like there is this juggernaut of an offense, but can adapt to what the personnel states they'll do best. And I, it's never been about whether Frank Reich is going to be this fantastic coach or not. He's got just enough of a shot as anybody to be decent with the roster. And we'll see what the front office will do. Um, with Frank Reich as the head coach. Steve Wilkes, though, certainly somebody that Jay Query also talked about, was surprised to see, maybe not get it, the only difference being the experience that Frank Reich had with Indianapolis. And so that's the undoing, at least right now. He's your new head coach, and that was, uh, Jake will put his interview on the website, WFNZ.com. Last Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? All right, Slim. Uh, Chiefs head coach Andy Reid did confirm his media availability today. That Pat Mahomes will start Sunday's AFC Championship game against Joe Burrow and the clash of the quarterback Titans right now in the NFL. And then Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa does remain in concussion protocol. And he will miss the NFL Pro Bowl festivities. Maybe a sign of things to come for Tua's NFL career. I know a lot of people have advised him. It might be best to seek retirement after suffering two concussions in one season. Yeah, hopefully 
Tua is able to get through this as, as much as he wants to to play football. If that's what he wants, hopefully that's the case. You obviously hope for the as much safety as possible just th- through his well-being because he's gone through some extremely scary injuries that have led to some conversations we've had on these airwaves about him going back onto the football field and whether he should have been playing quarterback or not. I'll ask you this before we go to the break. Do you want to see San Francisco clearly you say is going to win this game and then go on to the Super Bowl? Would you rather see Kansas City and try to get that revenge? Yes, for sure. That's the matchup I've been predicting for months is Kansas City and San Francisco, and especially now with Joe Burrow being exalted to a godlike quarterback level, I definitely would love to see him get smoked by the real quarterback god. What are you laughing over there about, Fitty? I mean, he's already seen the story once against Pat Mahomes. You want to see it again? All right, let's go one more time. He hasn't seen a story at all because Dallas hadn't been to the Super Bowl since the 90s. Hey, you know, I'd he... rather not get there and yeah, not yeah, lose yeah. than Said get there and lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a losing mentality. Says a loser. Says a guy who went to Wake Forest. Yeah, well... Keep trying to grasp for straws. It's Wesson Walker with the loser coming up next. I'll have a woman by my side tonight, though. Sports Radio 927 (laughs) WFNZ. Flounder walking in at the end of the show. Trying to get everything in order for Willie P's wedding tomorrow. How excited are you, Fitty? You ready for this thing? Yeah. It, I mean, it's become a major inconvenience. How's that? It takes me away from a Saturday on the couch watching college hoops. You got the SEC Big 12 Challenge tomorrow. Uh, Tottenham plays in the FA Cup tomorrow at 1 o'clock. I don't get to see any of that now. I'm, I'm really sorry for you. I know Flounder. He comes in, looks pretty fresh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Wes is uh, is still going to try to fight you on trimming the beard or do anything else for this I'm wedding. I'm trimming the beard tonight. Mm-hmm. Wes, he's not about it. Are nah, you? man. He's not, he doesn't really want to get a woman. He just says it. Are you ready for the weekend, Wes Bryant? Yes. I can feel it. Very much so. It seems I'm like I'm always it. ready for every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I mean, my weekend doesn't start till Saturday evening, but mm-hmm. I'm ready for every weekend. Um, all right. So, I mean, I don't. What are the prop bets, by the way, on this wedding? I did want to kind of go over those. I thought there were some that Mac and Bone came up with. Yeah, I didn't hear the segment, so I don't know what they were. I just know they had them, and I know Mac said that he took. He's betting on me to come away between me, Flounder, and Smoke as the board out to come away with a number. All right, just one out of a combined three. We just need one phone number exchanged, right? Because he said it was noted that I am aggressive. So when I asked him, when I come away with your wife's phone number, how's that going to make you feel? Mm. He just started laughing. I don't know if I would describe you as aggressive in that way. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think so. That's a big. That, that's scary in a lot of ways. When it comes to women, a lot of false bravado. <laughs> I mean, I think what it was was that Mac just knows that I have real charm and charisma, and the other two guys don't. Speaking of charisma, I did see that my quote was put up on the bulletin board. (laughs) I did not see that. I guess it was during the Mason Plumlee interview, as you mentioned. But my quote now that is on the bulletin board is spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti from my rapping of Eminem the one time that I decided to rap Lose Yourself. So I finally got one on the board, and it's just the one word copy and pasted three separate times. Let's go over the past week. Let's go through some of the moments that we've had on Wesson Walker. Fiddy, I now hand the mic over to you. Thank you very much, Walker. May we go back to Monday, the second segment of the week, when one Stephen, uh, I'm about calling him Stephen A. Smith, one Steve Smith popped up in the studio to con- to confront one me, Fiddy, about some comments <laughs> I made about him spinning the ball after six-yard out routes. 
You got the floor, little guy. What'd no, you say? Little guy. The thing was, was that the person that sent you my quote didn't send you my follow-up quote, uh-uh. which was that I'm a, I'm a fan of the Cowboys. How about them? Um, and I get annoyed when I see Ezekiel Elliott do the little, you know, feed me any points for the first down mark. Yeah. And so I just said, look, as a growing up as a fan, I didn't like seeing guys celebrate on the field unless they scored touchdowns. Mm. Man, when you telling people act like they've been there before, you know what I noticed? A lot of people that say that have never been there. Yeah. Right? And so let 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 these young guys like me and let us live our life, bro. Don't come judging how we do our business just because you get a cheap ticket. Just let us do our deal. Because if we po- if we if we left reviews the same way you guys leave comments, your Finkster be hurt. <laughs> hmm. He goes Finkster though. Why did he go Finkster? Very cool moment. Steve Smith coming in, helping us out, and then getting on you for criticizing him for spinning the ball after six yard out routes. Yeah, I mean, I thought we got through to a common place. I mean, he did tell me that he respected my what I had to say on the matter. Which uh, which went which meant a lot to me personally, which only inflated the ego, which is the biggest did. already is. It's it's funny because out of all of the things he said to you, you probably only heard that I do respect your opinion, and then he would call in after we were discussing it further. But overall, I, I don't think that you had your tail between your legs or anything. I don't think you came with the same energy. My favorite part about that soundbite though was Wes giving you the when he calls a little guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Wes was hyping it all up after he did that. What's the next soundbite? All right, now we move on to another moment in the show this week, Walker, where uh, you and I discussed what superhero tandem we would be if mm-hmm. we were from a old cartoon on Nickelodeon. If you and I were to be a superhero duo, who who would you and I it be? It would absolutely be Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, and I'm Barnacle Boy. You're Mermaid Man. So you're you're admitting on the air that I'm more of a man than you are. Uh, yes, and I'm a boy. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm surprised that you did not just cut up the last part of that soundbite and then only have that, you're a man and I'm a boy. Because really it was supposed to illustrate the incompetence from you as Mermaid Man and me, bad things happening to me, despite me actually having good ideas in Barnacle Boy. But no, instead you just had the whole soundbite, which I actually give you credit for. What's the next soundbite? All right, we end up, or we, we finish up with... A campus quarter segment recapping the Duke and Virginia Tech game where there was that controversial no call regarding a Duke player getting punched (laughs) in the throat. And our very own Wes Bryan got a chuckle out of it. So after you see this punch, I understand that it wasn't intentional, but it's still a foul, right? Like, I still think that it doesn't mean that he needs to be ejected. Of course, he doesn't need to be ejected because I do think intent has to be here for you to be ejected. But I do think that there should have been some fouls. You don't think so, Wes? No, I mean, I think it was a freak accident. I think he was celebrating. He turned around. and. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, why are you laughing? Were you because try- it looked so funny. Okay, I'm sorry. This is it's my morbid sense of humor, but it looked so funny when it happened. <laughs> Wes sometimes on this show will be in his own mind, and then he'll mid-take, his own take, he interrupts himself to laugh at the punching that took place in that game between Virginia De- Tech and Duke, and he just had to be carried out for a moment. I mean, just the phrase alone, getting punched in the throat, sounds funny. Alone Kyle Bailey agrees with me. That well, he- sounds funny in and of itself. And then when you saw it and then how it happened, 
I mean, it's just, you know. Also, who doesn't want to punch a Duke player in the throat? I've got a list of them. I know know you have a list. You are probably the serial killer on Billy Madison that is scratching out some of the names. That's exactly what you are, being Steve Buscemi in that movie. And if Fiddy jumped as high as he could and swung, that's probably where he would meet a man. You think the throat? You think the throat he'd reach that? The throat. Mm. That's what he's going to catch. No face, just throat. Steve did call him a little guy for a reason. Look, I might be short in stature, but your knives are going to come up short on Sunday in Philadelphia. Fly, Eagles, fly, baby. All right, what's your prediction? Let's let's do the prediction for the game. San Francisco, Philadelphia. Is it going to be a beatdown, Wes, or do you think it's close? No, nah, I go uh, 49ers 20 to 14. I think it's going to be a defensive game. Not a whole lot of offense there. No. Okay, we'll it see. Might, it might snow, too, they, they're saying. Okay, well, we'll see if we have a happy Wes Bryant on the other side of the weekend if San Francisco does indeed play in the Super Bowl. But now it's time to hand off the baton to Kyle Bailey, continuing to talk about the Frank Wright coaching decision. Can he run with that toe if we hand him the baton? And go ahead, Kyle. This is my first You're going voyage walk. down the hallway. I, I walked a second ago. Yeah. Uh, my wife would kill me if she knew that. But you know, it's been seven days. I'm tired of crutches. So I'm practicing walking again. Question. So I'm not going to the wedding tomorrow, the ceremony. I'm going mm-hmm. to the reception because I, I can't. I got, you know, I'm going to be on crutches. I can't. Mm-hmm. I got too many kids. They're going to scream. I don't want to ruin Willie right, P's wedding. Right. right. But we're going to go to the reception. So I'm going to get a first-hand look at your boy here. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't wait. Operating in South End, Charlotte. Yeah. You think what, what odds would you put on him coming away with somebody's number tomorrow night? Uh, I'm probably five thousand to one. Yeah, I'm oh, yeah, it's gonna be yeah. five thousand. He won't one. listen to my advice. He won't try to do anything. Like your beard looks fantastic, Thank very you. well manicured. Thank I you. want to get him there. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do it. It's like you got a neck beard all over your whole face. That's what I'm saying. He I told do this it. guy, and we got a problem where these dudes don't listen. It's gonna get shaped and trimmed tonight. When I come away with not only a a number, but having laid in the same sheets as a woman. That's all we're talking about on wow. Monday. Now, do you get to, do you get your beard beard professionally? Of course, done? Yeah. that's what I'm saying. I can do it myself, but I'd rather pay a professional to do it. Thank you. He makes more money than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Bailey up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.